It's great to uh, be able to stand up here and present for a service. I, uh, for those of you who don't know, like Pastor said, I've grown up in this church my whole life. I was born in the area and, and um, started out uh, here and going through Sunday school and everything like that. And so it's great to finally be able to um, come and, and talk for Sunday service. That's awesome. Um, and so uh, just to, to kind of start off, I want to give a little bit of a background as to who I am and, and kind of uh, what I want to talk about uh, today. Um, so uh, as a growing up, uh, I went to public school I, through Fernell School District and, and um, I just, you know, through the elementary school, middle school, high school. And um, through that time, um, I, oh, sorry, uh, <coughs> through that time, uh, it was, I came to youth group and, and uh, you know, was able to uh, be able, I had a lot of mentors in our church and really helping me out. And uh, I really appreciated that. And uh, I heard a statistic uh, in high school. Um, I heard that uh, 70% of youth stop attending church after they graduate from high school. And then you know, only a decade later, only half of them come back. Only half come back from that. And that was something that really uh, struck me. I was like, man, so you know, if there's 10 kids, you know, seven of them are going to walk away from the church. It's like, that's crazy. And so in high school, the Lord really put that on my heart. It's like, you know, um, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? That these people are leaving, and, and you know, so I, the Lord laid on my heart uh, to invite kids to youth group and, and try to build, uh, bring them in, and help them out, and uh, you know, and that's just something that has stuck with me. Um, after I graduated, I had the the ability to go to um, Camp Gilead uh, for the past five years, and yeah, we're good um, <laughs> for the past five years. And when I first went in back in 2009, the camp. Uh, camp started a new theme uh, called In the Beginning, and they were going to uh, start talking about the, the topic of, of creation and going back into Genesis and, and you know, building up that foundation of Christianity. And um, it, was, it was really great to be able, they, they taught us, you know, so I got to learn um, about the creation account and just going through uh, you know, how the Lord created the earth and, and time frames, stuff like that. And so what I took away from that was that creation is really like the foundation of Christianity. From the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and that's just something that is, uh, we need to really focus on that. And, and in some churches, we aren't putting as much emphasis on it as we need to be. And uh, so today, I just wanted to present kind of some of the things that I've learned over the past five years uh, talking about creation and looking at the foundation of, of Christianity. Um, and so when we work through Genesis, um, sorry, when we, when we work through Genesis and we, we started talk, teaching kids at camp about uh, diff, the different uh, you know, biblical accounts, we taught them that everything in the Bible is God-inspired and be taken literally. Everything in the Bible needs to be taken um, uh, as, as God said it. Um, and in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, you know, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we need to take everything God said and take it um, as it is and, and, and um, believe and, and we, can, we know that, um, that God intended to be in the Bible. Um, and so uh, when we, when we worked at, looked at creation at camp, you know, we we're talking about the foundation of Christianity. And so I kind of was thinking about this, all right, you know, this is, this is, um, this is cool, this is, uh, you know, this is awesome. And then I started applying it to that, that, that 
last statistic that I heard, you know, 70% of kids are leaving the church. And um, when I was teaching my kids at camp, I was, I was starting to kind of put together. And then it, it just kind of hit me that, you know, teens are struggling in high school. And, um, and the world is, is starting to attack Christianity at the foundation. Um, they're, starting to, uh, they're starting to attack it. And, um, sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So, apologize. No, um, in school, and I, I deal with the, dealt with this as well, um, being taught like, evolutionary uh, ideas and, and time frames. And, and so, um, in school, we're being taught that you know, science has found evidence that proving that the Earth is billions, billions of years old. And I was taught this as well. My teachers, you know, we, they started teaching, you know, you know, science just, you know, has methods that have been proven and, and you know, this is, this is truth. It's saying that the Earth is million, millions and millions of years old. And, and when you try to place that on top of God where we teach, you know, Earth is a young Earth in the Bible, you know, you start to get some of this conflict and, and you know, you start to get, you know, how can, how can I apply what I'm being told is, is fact and, and put it into the Bible. How can I work these together? And this is something that teens were struggling with uh, at camp and in school. And, and this is, you know, this is something that is difficult. It's not the issue why kids are leaving the church, but it's a, a big issue. And that's what I wanted to present to you today. And so um, just uh, to start off, um, one of the pieces of evidence used to show that the earth is billions and billions of years old is through the fossil record. They're, they're using uh, skeletons and fossils and dinosaurs that they're saying that, look, here is something that we have that is, is, you know, this is something that lived. We have the skeleton of it. You know, how can you say that that didn't exist? How can you say that that wasn't there? It's, look, it's right there. And, and so they're using this to show that the Earth is, is millions and millions of years old. They, they're saying that we have this method that, you know, puts that this animal lived millions of years ago. How can you say that this animal was created by God in 6,000 years when hey, it's been the earth for millions and millions of years. How can you put these together? And so this is something that teens are struggling with. They're, they're seeing this, okay, this is, this is fact. And here's the Bible. You know, God created everything. I believe this, but I'm being told this is fact. How can I put these together and work this out? And, and so this is something that we started teaching in the past five years at camp. Um, so we know that dinosaurs existed. We have fossils. As Christians, we, we have to see this, 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 this animal lived at some point in history. I can see it. I can go to the museum. I can touch it. It's there. Um, and uh, so the and fossils are being presented um, to use as millions and millions of years old. Now, um, when teens get to the point where they're going to college, and I've had to deal with this myself as well, had to deal with this myself as well. Um, do I continue to believe what I, I've been taught at church, or do I take what is factual and, and has been you know, proven in the world? How, do I take that, or do I take you know, what I've been taught in, in church? And, and especially in college, when you have professors that have spent you know, their whole life writing papers and have PhDs in this topic, and they're your professors at school, and they're saying, look, this is, this is true. I spent my whole life learning this. You know, and then you're at church, and you've been you're being you're hearing your Sunday school teacher tell you about the Bible, and um, you know, who, you know, you start to run into this problem like, who who do I believe? And um, and you know, now teens leaving high school, and they're going into college, and they're going out on their own. They no longer have the influence that their parents are having to, to deal with this, and uh, you know, people are starting to they're they're looking at okay, I'm gonna have to believe science because this is this is what everybody's telling me. This is 
This is fact. They have evidence um, for it. Um, and so, and then, and now, even some churches, to go even further than that, you know, not even just getting it from their teachers and their professors, but also in their churches. Some churches are trying to fit this theory of evolution and millions and millions of years or billions and millions of years, and they're trying to fit it in the Bible and in the Genesis account. They're trying to uh, say, okay, well, you know, God could have created um, evolution to, to build it, to make his creation. Um, you know, evolution is something that uh, God had done. And then now they're even taking the literal day, and they're saying, well, it might not have been days. It may have been millions and millions, millions, and millions of years. And that's, you know, how everything came to be. And, and, and now, so no longer do we have just, um, you know, the, the world attacking the foundation. Even in the church, they're starting to compromise on the foundation. And just like a house or a building, if, if the foundation starts to crumble, the whole house just falls down. And this is, this is something that is really... Um, it's really hard for teens of our generation um, with, the, uh, with the evolution of the Internet and, and just the way that um, knowledge and information spreads. You know, people, can, you know, people can pull up on their phone and they can say, look, there's a paper right here that says the mil- there were some million millions of years old. You know? And so now teens are having to, um, how, the, how, are they going to um, how are they going to work that out? How, are they going to be def- how, are they, how can they defend their faith um, when this is... When, you know, this is constantly attacking them. And this is something that we've had to help our teens at camp and in our youth groups and everything like that, was just help them see that they can take the Bible literally. Just like in Second Timothy, um, we need to take the Bible, the whole Bible, from beginning to end, as truth. And, you know, God put it in there for a reason, and he meant what he said. When he said that he created the day, or created the earth in six days, he created the earth in six days. It wasn't, you know, millions and millions of years. He didn't create some... Um, method to create humans through the evolution of monkeys. God created each individual person. And um, when, we, when churches and places like that are we're starting to try to include these theories with God's theories and, or God's word, um, you know, it starts to crumble and you know, teens are starting to think, you know, how can I take the Bible literally anymore? If I can't take the beginning half of the Bible literally, how can I believe and trust that um, I'm a sinner? How, can I, how do I know that I'm a sinner, that I need Jesus to, to um, wash my sins away so that I can go to heaven. If, if, the, if, we're, if we're not taking the, the beginning of the Bible literally, um, how can we take the end? How are we expect teens to take the, um, take the salvation account as you know, truth? And so, um, just to go on, Christians, as Christians, we are required to be able to defend our faith whenever it is challenged. And it is extremely important that we are ready to defend the foundation of our faith when it comes under attack, even by scientific methods or you know, theories and stuff like that. In 1 Peter 3.15, um, as this word says, But in our hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. <clears throat> so, I've, I kind of set the stage. This, this is a kind of a problem. Um, the foundation of Christianity is, is under attack. Um, by the world, by science and by um, professors who spend their whole life writing papers and, and, they're, uh, and we need to, I want to present ideas to you guys that you can take away today and be able to defend your faith, to help out uh, your teens or help out somebody that you may know who may be struggling with this, um, with this uh, problem. So, fossils and dinosaurs are used to, uh, I'm just, we're just going to look at this. There's many, many um, 
theories and ideas used to try to disprove the creation account. Today we just want to look at one, and one of the bigger ones is just dinosaurs, you know, uh, and fossils. And so that was used to uh, disprove, or was being used to disprove the creation account. That's what, um, when I was in school, uh, we, we had in our textbooks, it said, oh, here's, you know, fossils, and they were dated using radiometric dating. We look at um, this method. We know that they were millions and millions of years old. This is in my textbook at school. <clears throat> now, just to look at, I love this passage in the Bible, and um, this is one that we look at a lot at camp um, this past, uh, past couple of years, was Job 40, uh, verse 15 through 24. I just want to read it to start out. Um, it says, Look now at Behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now his strength is in his hips, and his power is in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews uh, of his thighs are tight, tightly knit. His bones are like uh, beams of bronze. His ribs are like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Surely the mountains um, yield food for him, and all the beasts of the field uh, play there. <coughs> Uh, he lies under the lotus tree in the cover of the reeds and marsh. The lotus trees cover him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Indeed, the river may rage, yet he is not disturbed. He is confident. Through the Jordan gushes into his mouth. Though the Jordan, uh, though the Jordan gushes into his mouth, though he takes it in his eyes, or one pierces his nose with a snare. Now, um, this is just, this passage. Um, I, I just love it, and we we've. We've gone over a lot at camp in the past five years, and um, and it just this is God describing one of His, his mightiest crea uh, creations. Now, to give a little bit of background uh, to this passage, this is God talking to Job, and Job, um, you know, is, is believed to have lived after the flood, and from what we can tell uh, through um, just uh, some other verses in the, in the chapter. And so God is talking to Job, and he is describing one of his, his mightiest creations. Uh, he also goes on in 41 to describe another one. But nowhere else in the Bible does God spend this, this amount of time, this, this many verses, describing one creature. And, um, and so when you look at this, you have to understand this is something God is, is very proud of. It's very important to him that he would um, go through in such great detail. Um, and... Um, just looking at it, the description that God is, is uh, given here is it sounds something like a, a sauropod dinosaur, one of the largest creations, um, or one of the largest animals ever created. Um, we know that these animals uh, lived. We have um, we have skeletons. We know that these animals existed. Now, um, something that I came across at camp when we were talking about this passage is in study Bibles that uh, teens have is um, in the footnotes, it's being presented that this may have that this is maybe describing a hippopotamus or an elephant. Um, but we can see that in this in this description that God has given, that it is something much much larger, much much bigger, and much more magnificent than just a hippopotamus or an elephant. This is one of God's greatest creations, and we know that God created this animal right here. And I don't know if you can see, but there's people off in the corner. This is a massive, massive animal, and. Just like when it says that his tail is like a cedar tree, this is something that is just—it's big and it's—it's um, big and it's strong, and it doesn't fit the description of any animals that we can see today. So we, you know, from the description and from the fossils that we have, we can see that this this animal um, may have been what God was describing, just from what we know and what we can see and we can observe and what we can we can read from God saying, um, taking that God is is meaning literal. Um, 
being literal in this, in this passage, we have, to, we have to, um, to see that this could be the animal that God is describing. Now, um, here we go, sorry, we know it. Uh, now, so this dinosaur matches the creation, or matches the description given by um, God in Job. <clears throat> and so, um, this is just uh, one passage that I wanted to present to you guys that you can leave here today and say, all right, Job 40 verse 15 through 24, and then in 41 he goes on to describe another um, massive, a really uh, great animal um, that you can leave. And so if, if someone says, well, dinosaurs aren't in the Bible, um, you can say, go back and say, look, here is something I believe God is describing a, a dinosaur. And, you know, and so they may say that dinosaurs weren't in the Bible, um, but uh, you, you, have, you now have a passage that you can go back to and refer to. And this is something that we referred uh, to our campers as well, and that they can go back and they can read this. Um, because we take the Bible literally, we believe that God created everything, even the dinosaurs. And uh, here's, a here's a description God is giving. Um, and so here's one way that you can defend your faith um, when it is being challenged. Um, now, to... Uh, to give a more, um, a more, uh, I guess I, I talked to Ryan when I was, when I was working through this. I was, we we're kind of going, uh, kind of giving ideas, and I asked Ryan to uh, to kind of come up with something that may be maybe a little bit more uh, a scientific um, way that people can defend their faith. And so I just asked him if you could put together um, just a couple slides and present. So Ryan, you want to come up, and he's going to just go through and uh, he's going to talk about um, what's called the uh, hourglass method. And um, just kind of give, an, give you a, uh, yeah, you get that. Um, yeah, and so, like I said, uh, one of the major um, things that uh, the world is using to attack our foundation is uh, through the time frame and saying that these dinosaurs lived millions and millions of years old, or who lived millions and millions of years ago. And so he's just going to give something to kind of show that their dating methods may not be fully accurate. Absolutely. And... Yeah, so Andrew asked me to talk about my experience with dating. And so uh, I don't have a whole lot of experience with dating because, well, I've never gone on a date before. But um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, to put your mind at ease, uh, I'm going to be talking about a very different kind of dating, uh, radiometric dating, which, just give me a second to get my notes here. which is uh, the, the way that scientists determine the age of a rock or a fossil. So um, I'm going to stop right there for a quick second because already I'm kind of using some science mumbo-jumbo, and I know that's pretty uh, odd to be coming from the pulpit to be giving you scientific details and facts. And so I just wanted to say that once again, I just wanted to reemphasize 1 Peter 3.15, which, which said that we need to be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us to anyone. And that includes atheists. We need to be ready to give at least some sort of defense uh, in regards to our faith. And so I just wanted to give you uh, a brief overview of a few scientific concepts. I'll try to keep it uh, pretty simple for those of you who aren't too scientifically minded and, and are kind of like, oh, wait, great, science. I thought I got done with that in high school. Um, but I'm going to just go ahead and go over a couple of those principles really quick. So uh, Andrew told us about the dinosaur described in Job, but I think the concern that a lot of us as Christians often have is we look around and we see the newspapers, we see textbooks, we see movies, and all these different sources saying the earth is millions of years old, we can test fossils, this fossil was millions of years old. You know, you see a, a news report of some missing link that was found that's millions of years old. And the question, I think, for a lot of us as Christians is, 
what's, what's our answer? How do we respond to that if science is proving, so to speak, that that's how old those fossils are? And so I just want to go over this method of radiometric testing, which is how they come about with those ages, and show you that there's actually some major flaws with the way that they go about it. So I want to start by taking a, a radioactive material like uranium, something we've all heard of. It's how you make nuclear power. And because it's radioactive, it kind of shoots off some particles every now and then. And so eventually it turns into a different element, which is, in this case, lead for uranium. And, and so it's, that's the process that it goes through, is slowly over time it turns into a different element. And so it, the uranium would be considered the parent element because it's the one that you start with and eventually it turns into the daughter element, which is lead. And so there's other types that they can use, other types of elements, but these are, this is the one I'm going to focus on because it gives just a, a practical way of looking at it and applies to the other kinds. But a good analogy to use is popcorn because Believe it or not, you know, you have a, a bowl of popcorn or a you know, bag of popcorn and you put it in the microwave and as it's heating up, every now and then a kernel is going to just start randomly popping and turning into a popped piece of corn. And that's a similar concept to what's happen what happens with these elements is over time they randomly will start turning into the other elements as they shoot off their, a few of their, their particles. And so that ends up with uh, it slowly turning into a bag full of popped corn. Uh, so to speak. So that's, that's an analogy way of looking at it that gives an illustration of, of that concept. But another concept that illustrates, I think, how it tells the time is that of an hourglass. And so, uh, as you can see, you have, you know, at the top, you have uranium, and at the bottom, you have lead, and over time, the uranium changes into the lead. So, uh, to use the popcorn analogy for how they actually use this to tell time, imagine that um, you know, a popcorn popped at a pretty consistent rate, say that about every minute five kernels popped into popped corn. And then if I came and looked at a bag of popcorn and saw that there were 20 popped kernels, I could estimate that it had been in the microwave for about uh, four minutes, because five every minute, 20 popped, that's about four minutes. So some of you think I just crossed the line because now I'm using science and math from the pulpit, but uh, that's, that's the end of all the math that I'll be doing. Uh, but that's how they try to tell the time with this method, is they look at uh, how much lead, the daughter element, is in a piece of rock or in a fossil, and they compare it to how much of the parent element is there, uranium, and they can make an estimate of how long it's been going, kind of like you could look at an hourglass and get a rough estimate about how long it had been going. So that's how that process generally works, but there's some major assumptions that they make that are rather flawed, the really faulty assumptions that they make uh, in order to come to this conclusion on these processes. So that's what I want to show you right now. The first assumption that they make is how much it's, is at the beginning. How much do you start with the, um, the daughter element? And so that's the first assumption. And the problem is they assume that it starts out at zero. They assume that when you start the clock, so to speak, it's at zero. But the question is, couldn't a fossil or a rock have started with a little bit of that daughter element in it to begin with? And most scientists, when they're using this method, just assume that it started at zero and it only had the parent element in it. And so that's a little bit of a problem because, well, what if there was some lead in the product to begin with? That's like coming into a room and seeing an hourglass with a bunch of sand at the bottom and assuming that it had been going for a while, but maybe it had just started and there was just sand that was at the bottom when they started it. That's kind of the concept that we're looking at here. And come to find out there's actually science and evidence to support the fact that this is a problem that we face. For example, something close to home here, Mount St. Helens, when it erupted in the 80s, 
uh, there was some lava that turned into brand new rock. And so they could test that rock. And it should have come up at, you know, pretty much zero. They tested it in the 90s, so 10 years later, should come up about 10 years old, right? Well, because it started with some of the, the daughter element in it, it ended up testing at 350,000 years old. So that's a pretty big difference from 10 years to 350,000 years. And so obviously, this is a pretty f uh, faulty assumption to be making because we already know for when we can test it that that's a problem. So that's the first assumption, one that's not very good. But the second one is that of contamination. Scientists assume that there's no, none of the daughter element that can get into the actual product that they're testing. So they assume, okay, you know, it's going to go ahead and start, and whatever lead we find, that lead got there through this process of uranium turning into lead. But the problem is through things like groundwater seepage and other natural processes, there are ways for these lead atoms to actually get in to the, the fossils that they're testing or the rocks that they're testing. And so that makes it so this is, again, that would be kind of like taking a, an hourglass, punching a hole in it, and putting more sand in the bottom. That's going to change how, you think the time, how much time you think has gone by. And so that's a, another really flawed assumption that they make because, once again, the science shows that this is actually happens all the time, and it happens a lot. There was a volcano that erupted in New Zealand about 50 years ago. And so they took some of that rock, again, this brand new rock that's only about 50 years old, should be pretty new. But when they tested it, they actually used three different testing methods on it. And because specifically of this kind of contamination, they ended up with some very, very skewed results. One result said it was 100 million years old, even though it was only 50 years old. Another method said it was 200 million years old. And another method said it was almost 4 billion years old even though the rock is only 50 years old. And that was because they tested and figured out that a lot of that was because of the contamination coming in. And so that's, again, a, an assumption that they make that in a lot of ways really ends up skewing the results and they can't accurately determine the age of something because there's a lot of contamination that can get in. But the third one is the rate, or the con has it always been a constant rate of change from uranium into lead? And there's actually evidence to support the fact that in the past, it might have been a lot higher. The rate of uranium changing into lead might have been going a lot quicker. One study found that it might have been as much as 250,000 times faster in the past. So that's like taking an hourglass with a hole this big and making it 250,000 times bigger of a hole. That's going to allow the sand to go through a lot quicker. And that's going to end up with, again, a very different testing age than what it really is, than the actual age of the thing that you're testing. And so that assumption leads to, again, a very distorted view of the time. So that's just a, a brief snapshot of how this, this system works, of how they test the rocks and the fossils. And they, they assume several key things about this process that when you actually look at the science behind it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of flaws with it, and it ends up making the results inaccurate. And so that's a lot of information, but hopefully just this analogy of the hourglass will help you remember the basic concept. The idea of what they're doing is they're taking an hourglass and saying, look, you know, we can tell that this is how old the fossil is, but in reality, we don't know how much sand started at the bottom. There could be sand being added into the bottom through contamination, and we don't always know if the rate at which the, the hourglass has been flowing has always been the same. And so that's, that's an analogy you can use and remember that'll help you be able to explain to other people this process of 
the, the decay between these products. But the one final thing I wanted to leave with you is that as Christians, we're not just on the defense. We're not just defending against these scientific ideas. The sci science does actually back up the Bible and supports the Bible in what it says. And one of the things that's really interesting to me is that even though when we're using scientific methods to try to test the past, there's going to be assumptions that we're using. We're going to have to, you know, go through some of these assumptions. And so ultimately, science can't prove beyond the shadow of a doubt what happened in the past. But when we look at the, the broad spectrum of evidence, some scientists have calculated and estimated that about 90% of all the methods that we could use to try to guess at the age of the Earth actually point to ages much less than what the evolutionists claim. 90% actually point to a very young earth. And so, again, science does back up what the Bible says. Our faith isn't a blind faith. It's a very reasonable faith. And so we can, we can trust the Bible. It's true, and science does back it up. So I uh, hope that makes sense. And, Andrew, you can go ahead and come on up. Thank you, Ryan. Sorry. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. And... Um, I, I really uh, appreciate your uh, use of the hourglass example there, um, and just to uh, to show that um, that um, science does back up our faith and it does um, help. Uh, it does help us to uh, to see that um, that in God's description and His account that it, we can it can be trusted and um, that we can see that it is uh, it is true. Um, and so I, I hope I hope that um, that today we give, have given you guys a couple of, of tools that you can then leave and, and have uh, in your back pocket just to pull out if uh, if you start hearing about this if, if someone that you know may be struggling or maybe doubting um, we need to uh, we need to take the Bible um, as truth from beginning to end um, we need to know that that God created the earth He created us um, and that you know in in the creation account that um, that we are that we, uh, because of, of the fall of Adam and Eve, that because of sin, we need Jesus uh, in our hearts and to, to, uh, to help save us so that we can go to heaven. We need to believe uh, everything and take it as truth. And uh, we, don't need to be, we do not need to be afraid of science. Um, we have the same um, set of evidence, uh, fossils and, and rocks, and, and we have the same methods. Um, and so we, do not be, we don't need to be afraid of that. We're not, um, it's not something that we need to, uh, to be worried about. Um, but we need to understand it. We need to look at it. We need to see that in the Bible, God, you know, describes um, creatures that that um, fit the description of, of animals that we can see. We need to we need to uh, look at and, and see that you know that God created the earth, and we can we can we can look at dates and when things happened in the flood, and we can apply that with science with scientific methods, and we can see that scientific methods help back up the Bible, and we need to we need to be able to present that to our teens who are going through this and they're having these struggles. And their in their high school years and in their college years, and this is something as Christians we need to be prepared to help those who are struggling and who um, are having difficulty in this. And so hopefully um, that hopefully you guys um, have been able to take away something. Um, if you guys have any questions about um, other things, other examples that you may have heard of, um, myself, Ryan, we both share uh, a very passionate. Um, uh, uh, you know, we are very passionate. Sorry, we are we're very passionate about uh, the creation account and, and helping people understand that. And, uh, and uh, if you have any other questions just about doubting um, anything that there is in the Bible, a pastor or any of the elders would love to talk to you and help you out with that. Um, and so let's just uh, let's just close in prayer. 
Dear Lord, I, just, I thank you uh, for this, this Sunday that we can um, just hear uh, accounts from all sorts of, of teens that are going through um, serving in orphanages or just uh, going into college. And I, just, uh, I thank you that uh, we are still able to live in a world where we have the ability to, to learn about you um, and go to public, uh, public uh, uh, and get some schooling and to, uh, to learn about you and see uh, your... Uh, your greatness uh, through science and through um, just through evidence of, of nature, Lord. I just pray that you would help me with uh, with these uh, with everybody here, Lord. If, if there's anyone doubting, Lord, that you would just help them to find the answers that they need to talk to somebody that can help them, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, be with us as we leave. In your name, Amen.